Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Oh, it's so good to be back. Good to be back with you. Good to be talking hockey and a lot to talk about on today's Monday mailbag. A lot of questions from you. And I'm sure there will be uh, even more questions. I've already had a lot tweeted to me, so I'll go through those coming up in just a bit. Also, um, if you would like to get on the show live, all you have to do is request to be a speaker if you're with me on Twitter Spaces right now, and I can bring you on that way, and we can chat. We can do all of that. But uh, first, I want to talk about, and, and if you want to do all that stuff, and I hope you do, just uh, all I'm asking today is just hold off a little bit here because I will get to you, but I have some business to get to first on today's show. A lot of business because of what Yarmo Kekalainen was able to do last week when he made a couple of trades that completely changed the blue line of the Blue Jackets. Without a doubt, this is a much different defense core than we saw all of last year. Last year, we never even really saw the whole thing anyway because of the injuries, but what Yarmo was able to do last week is more than impressive when it comes to really changing what's going to be the blue line. And it goes back to that culture change thing, too, that he has talked about. It's all hand-in-hand. Okay, here are the moves. Last week, Yarmo was able to make a deal, a three-way deal with the Los Angeles Kings and the Philadelphia Flyers. For the Blue Jackets, they were able to acquire Ivan Provorov from the Flyers, which gives them a bona fide top-four defenseman. I would think is a guy that is going to be on the second pairing with Wierenski being on the top pair. They're both left-handed shots. So I would imagine Wierenski gets the number one opportunity and then Provorov the number two. And, and of course, that's all going to be fluid throughout the course of the season. It, it, it's One day will be one thing, one day will be another thing. It won't matter. But anyway, Provorov comes in and solidifies the left side of the defense. And remember, this defensive core is full of right-handed shots, a ton of right-handed shots. In fact, so many right-handed shots that Nick Blankenberg played a lot on his offside uh, last year. He played a lot on the the left side, even though he's a right-handed shot. Somebody had to do that. They tried to do it with Boquist, didn't work well. Tried to do it with Peak, didn't work well. Blankenberg was the one guy that seemingly could do it and get it done. So that's why he did it when he was healthy the bulk of that time. So Provorov comes in. And what did the Blue Jackets give up in that? They gave up that first-round pick they acquired from the Los Angeles Kings when they sent Jonas Corposalo and Vladislav Gavrikov to L.A. at the trade deadline. So that was a pick that Yarmo said from the time that he got it, he wanted to use that to bolster defense. And that's exactly what he did. He took it right away, saw an opportunity, got together with those other two teams, boom, got the guy that he wanted from Philadelphia. That's done. But that wasn't even close to enough because then two days later, he gets the permission to speak with Damon Severson of the New Jersey Devils. Severson, a guy that was on his way to unrestricted free agency, and he was not going to be in the Devils' plans for the future. They have a lot of guys that are coming and they're pushing and they're going to be cheaper and they've got to find a spot for them and all that kind of stuff. So Severson was going to be expendable to the New Jersey Devils. So the Blue Jackets swoop in. They request permission to talk with Severson and his agent. They talk with them. They sell him on Columbus. They immediately sign him to an eight-year contract with uh, an AAV of 6.25, and he is in the fold. And he's a right-handed shot. So, boy, doesn't that change things tremendously? Now you've got Wierenski and Severson. You've got Provorov, and where do you want to go? On the other side, Boquist can go there. And then you get to that third pair, you've got Good Branson, and then who's going to play with him? And I haven't even mentioned Jake Bean and Andrew Peake. And Andrew Peake's been a big part of this team the last two years, quite frankly. He's done a lot of good things. He's blocked a lot of shots. He's logged a lot of heavy minutes, all that stuff. Now, now where is he? Where is he in this lineup? Where's David Yurchek in this? Does David Yurchek have to come in from Cleveland now and be with the Blue Jackets at the start of the season? My answer to that is no. No, he doesn't. Now, if he's ready, great. If he's not, great. Doesn't matter. I got some guys that can play here. I've got experienced National Hockey League guys now. If you need a little bit more time, 
Take that time. Go ahead and get yourself completely ready. Go back to the American Hockey League and play. Because I'm going to tell you this, and, and I see all over Twitter, all last week, even today, there are even some questions in here about, you know, uh, is Jarbo going to trade this guy and this guy, and how's he going to get rid of these extra defensemen? Let us not forget how many defensemen the Blue Jackets used last year. Or any year. When John Tortorello was here, he always told me, you're going to use at least nine throughout the course of the season. At least nine. So having extra is not a bad thing at all. And there will be chances and opportunities. You're going to hear about that in just a few minutes because I caught up with Yarmo Kekalainen and talked to him about that. Uh, well, that was one one of his comments amongst many in an interview I did with him on Friday when he was in uh, Buffalo at the uh, scouting combine. So you're going to hear from Yarmo, get his perspective on those trades, picking up those players, why those players, and the way he went about it, the capital that he had to give up. Oh, by the way, I didn't even mention Severson uh, signing in trade. The Blue Jackets sent a third-round pick, and it was one that they acquired from Seattle last summer in the trade for Oliver Bjorkstrand. So they used two picks to get two players. Neither of those picks was one of their picks. They were extras that they had, giving them the opportunity to do the things that they did. Very smart. Yarmo will talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. But uh, Damon Severson, the latest guy to sign, I did have a chance to catch up with him on Friday. I want to play a little bit of uh, the interview with him. and uh, Same with Yarmo. I'm going to give you parts of things that we talked about. Uh, You can look for the rest of it coming out at some point at bluejackets.com or wherever they're going to put it. Um, but these are these are some of the highlights that I wanted to to get across. And with Damon Severson, the first thing I, I simply asked him is, you know, this came together pretty quickly, or it seems like it came together pretty quickly. But I asked him, how long had the process been going on between him, his agent, and the Blue Jackets before the deal was cemented? Uh, it's it's been a little bit on and off. Um, Columbus came to the table and they were. Uh, reached out to New Jersey trying to get my negotiating rights to my understanding. And um, it was uh, a process that happened fairly quickly. As soon as New Jersey um, granted them permission to speak with my agent and I, and we had uh, a little call with them and they just pretty much had their pitch and, um, you know, in the recruiting process and me being a free agent, I guess that's kind of part of it. First time for me being through something like this. And uh, it was a crazy process. It didn't quite get to free agency, but I was happy when Columbus called and, uh, it was uh, a great conversation had by all parties involved in, in the one call I did have with them. And, and then really it just came down to negotiating a few things. And uh, my wife and I chatted about it and, and really it was a no brainer for us for everything that we've heard about the city of Columbus and getting a chance to play for the Blue Jackets. Uh, we're really excited about that. So you must have been blown away in that pitch, obviously, if you didn't let it get all the way to the free agency. Um, you know, what, was there anything specific or what, what did the organization, what are they pitching to you about the opportunity that you'll have here to be part of this decor yeah they speak obviously to everything they, they talk about the on ice stuff the off ice stuff um family they, they really didn't miss a beat uh when when they spoke about talking about columbus in itself and everybody that's been there played there um you know their personal experiences and uh you know obviously the team struggled last year that's no secret but uh they're looking to build something special there and um, for me to get a chance to, to be a part of finally getting in the playoffs game with New Jersey this year was a great feeling. And now uh, we're looking to do the same thing in Columbus to turn things around pretty quickly. So um, I couldn't be happier. Obviously, things kind of came together pretty quickly here. But once I get uh, the lay of the land and get everything figured out, it, it's, uh, you know, hopefully hit the ground running. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. When you talk about uh, getting into the playoffs with New Jersey this year, uh, it is kind of a similar situation here, isn't it? With the Blue Jackets looking to get back into the playoffs, you've already been with a team that has been building and trying to get there, and you got that opportunity. What did you get from that experience that you feel that you can bring into this group now to help to get this team back to where it wants to be? Just, uh, you know, obviously it's crazy for me to say I, I'm a veteran now. I've been in the league for a while. So just the veteran presence back there, uh, knowing what I need to do on a, on a day-to-day, night-to-night basis to, to be successful and help the group. And not only on my end of things, but help my teammates as well. And um, just trying to get better uh, every day. And 
Uh, I think we got some great talent in Columbus and from what I've seen playing against some things there are moving in the right direction there. So I'm just going to try to bring my best every day, bring the positive energy, great attitude, um, and just, uh, you know, really look forward to coming to the rink on a, on a day-to-day basis and having to get a chance to live your dream and play, play the best game in the world and really live your dream and, and enjoy that part of it. So and winning cures everything as well. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you you are staying within the Metropolitan Division. So this is a team that you played against four times a year, so you do know them. Are there any guys that you're really looking forward to being teammates with or maybe even a D partner with as you sit and you look over the roster? Yeah, obviously, I, I see the trade that they made earlier um, with, with Provorov. Obviously, I know that uh, Wierenski missed a lot of the year last year with an injury. Uh, so those guys were obviously left-handed, me being a righty. Hopefully, I get a chance to pair up with either one of those guys and um, be able to move the puck out of our zone, be able to play in the offensive side of things. But, uh, you know, obviously up front, they got a sharp shooter in line A. They got a great distributor and playmaker in Johnny Gaudreau, and, and he was very close uh, to signing with the Devils last year, so almost got a chance to play with them there. And now I'm following him, his footsteps to Columbus. So uh, there's there's plenty of talent there. Uh, those are the names that first come to mind. And, and uh, you know, getting a chance. I just got a text from Zach Ransky not long ago as well. And it just makes you excited. Uh, you know, new teammates, it's it's a whole new situation for me. Usually I was on the other end of things, welcoming new teammates in New Jersey. So this is going to be a, a little bit different. But I, I can't wait to get, uh, get to meet everybody, get going there, and, and uh, really start something. Were there any guys that you already know coming into this team? The only guys who I, I know are uh, from World Championships a couple of years ago, Cole Sillinger and Kent Johnson. I played with them over there in that team, and we lost the gold medal game. Unfortunately, got a silver that year. But, uh, yeah, those are a couple of guys who, who I know. And other than that, um, probably no guys through other guys and whatnot. And Rick Nash was uh, was over there as well and part of the management group. So I know a few people in the Columbus organization, but uh, not a ton. So I got a lot of new faces to meet. That is Damon Severson. He was acquired by the Blue Jackets in a sign-and-trade with the New Jersey Devils on Friday last week. And just hearing the way he talks and the things that he says, I'm excited about this guy coming in because he is a veteran defenseman, and the Blue Jackets very much need more leadership on this team. There's no question about that. I think that's why things went so sideways, especially at the end. I think that's why there's a coaching change. I think there needs to be a better culture in the dressing room. There needs to be more accountability. There needs to be more leadership. That's not a knock on Boone Jenner. That's not a knock on Zach Wierenski or anybody else who has been here and is growing up through the system. Sometimes you just need something else. Or sometimes you're just not quite ready or you think you're ready or there's there's just an element that you need. And bringing guys from the outside that have uh, already been in these kind of roles with other teams, been there, done that, know what needs to happen, that can be invaluable. And I feel like Damon Severson is going to be one of those guys. Uh, One thing I asked him a little bit later on is, what kind of guy are you going to be? I mean, are you going to come in and you've been with a team for a long time. You've been in the league for a long time. Are you going to come in and be vocal? Are you going to come in? Are you a a quiet guy until you figure out what's going on? And and he's more like, yeah, I'm going to figure out what's going on. And that's the way to go about it, right? Nobody likes to know it all. Nobody likes a guy that walks in and goes, hey, this is the way it should be done. And I think Eric Goodbranson is like that too. I think Goodbranson has uh, good leadership qualities. And I think when he came in last year, he was kind of like, okay, I'm going to back off and I'm going to let this, uh, I'm going to let it come to me. I'm going to figure it out. And as you figure it out, then then things change a little bit. I think it is going to be a change for the positive. Now, when it comes to the acquisitions of Provorov and Severson, again, the Blue Jackets were very, they were, uh, they just went after it. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. I haven't done this. I haven't talked enough for a living here recently, I guess. But they they were very adamant about the guys that they wanted, right? So they went out and they targeted a couple of guys and they went right out and they got those two guys. Uh, Why those two? Here's Jarmo Kekalainen, Blue Jackets general manager, to tell us a little bit about the the thought process behind the acquisitions. We do the the pro scouting, obviously, uh, regularly, and and we – had uh, Ivan Provorov very high on our list in the draft. Not it's not not so long ago when both him and Zach Wierenski were drafted in the same draft, and so you you go back in your in your evaluations quite far. Uh, Severson's obviously been in the league for a longer time, and 
and he's been a solid top four defenseman in the NHL for for quite a quite a long time already. And and he was our number one target on the uh, on the free agent list, and and we were able to get ahead of it by uh, making a trade, New Jersey sign and trade, so that he doesn't get to uh, the UFA market on July one. We wanted to be aggressive on both of these uh, players, so that uh, you know the Provorov move was uh, made so that. If we have to get to the free agency on July one, and and there's always a lot of competition, especially for defensemen or if any any center will never get to that point. And and uh, you know, even though you have a good case for him, good solid contract offer, there's there's a lot of other teams that make that bit too, and you could uh, end up empty-handed. We didn't want to do that, so we made the trade for Provorov to to make sure that we end up with at least one good top four defenseman, and then we were able to. To convince um, uh, Damon Severson to uh, to come to us via sign and trade, uh, we had permission from New Jersey to talk to his representatives and and Damon himself and his his uh, fiance and convince them that this is a great place for him. I think there's a lot of similarities with the organizations and and where they're at. Where New Jersey's ahead of us uh, in the process that they went through, missing the playoffs quite a few times, and we've missed them now too many times. And but we have. Some talented players um, growing up in our organization. We're ready to take the next step, and I think these two players will help us tremendously to uh, to take that next step. With these two players, you're able to acquire them, and you didn't have to give up really any of your draft picks, if you will, because the Provorov trade, uh, you ended up using that number one pick that you acquired from Los Angeles at the end of the season, and the Severson deal, you used a third-round pick that you picked up in that trade with Seattle for Oliver Bjorkstrand, last summer. How important was that to you to get through all of this, to be able to add two players of that caliber and still basically have your picks intact as you go into this draft in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think sometimes that's that's why you uh, collect the uh, the draft capital, and, and that's what we talked about when we made the trade uh, where we sent Oliver Bjergstrand to Seattle as hard as, as it was. We got something for him instead of getting into a situation with the cap that we have to unload somebody and and in the worst case scenario, pay for somebody to take a good player, which has happened quite a bit in the in the league right now. So we had two two extra picks, third and fourth pick from that trade. Um, we almost uh, traded uh, what we got for Gavrikov to get uh, Provorov, and uh, now now one of those picks to get the rights to uh, talk to Severson and get the uh, sign and trade done. So um, it's important to have those extra picks if you want to make moves like this and. And we're still going to make some some uh, good draft picks this this summer. We're in Buffalo right now, watching the combine and and um, the testing, and and we're really excited about the third overall pick coming up because it's going to be a hell of a player for us. And when you look back to last year's draft, that's when you loaded up on defense. David Yurchik, you took in the first round. Denton Matejchuk, you took in the first round. And even though Severson has a long contract, Provorov right now has two years on his deal. Uh, when you're putting this all together, how important was it also to to get a bridge between, you know, uh, your prospects that you have coming defensively and to get the experience that you need right now so you can be a better defensive club? Well, this gives, gives us an opportunity not to rush the uh, the defensemen. That's the uh, goalies and defensemen. Those are the hardest positions to crack, crack in in the NHL. And you cannot be in that position and, and learning in the NHL. It gets overwhelming and, and it, can, it can get real hard on a, on a young defenseman to, uh, to play in the NHL, get exposed, lose his confidence. So we don't want to rush any of our top prospects. We have Spozil, we have Matejchuk, we have Yerichek. Those guys are going to be real good NHL players at the right time. We don't want to rush their process. That They'll get their opportunity when they're ready. It could be sooner rather than later but we're not going to have to rush them now. And there's still going to be a lot of opportunities in our lineup in the top six for, for those players to, to show us that they're ready. And if they're not, then, then so be it. We're going to be patient with them and we're going to help them grow and, and mature and, and uh, they'll be a big part of our future. Even though you've made such a big overhaul on the blue line to this point, I'm pretty sure I know what your answer to this question is going to be, but are you done at this point? No, we're not done. I mean, we've always talked about, uh, you know, centerized position is the other um, important position. And it's so hard to get a center and we'll get one in the draft now. And um, 
you know, to trade for one is, is extremely hard. Um, and the, usually the good ones never get to the uh, UFA market, but uh, we have some good ones growing in our system too. Ken Johnson still has the potential to play a center ice position in the National Hockey League. Cole Sillinger is going to be a good one. You know, we got Chunk Raleigh, who's a very dependable player for us in both ends of the ice. And of course, our captain, Boone Jenner, and and, and the very talented Jack Roslovic. And if he gets more consistent with his game, though, those guys are good center icemen in the uh, in the National Hockey League. But, uh, you know, we're always looking to, um, to, uh, to strengthen those positions, center ice and, and defense and goaltending being the, being the, uh, the keys to success in the National Hockey League. But, uh, no, we're not done. We don't, uh, we don't get to, uh, enjoy the off season like, uh, like the, maybe the coaches and, and the players do. And, and players are working out all the time, not too. They get two, two weeks off after the season and then they're back to the grind. I think they'd much rather be on the ice and playing games and then going through, uh, the hard off-season workouts that they're doing right now. That is General Manager Yarmo Kekalainen. and he missed a golden opportunity right there. He said, "We don't take an off-season like the coaches and the players." Why didn't he just target me? He could have targeted me. He could have said, "Hey, I don't take an off-season like you do, where I can just sit around and wait for something to happen and then go back to work." He could have done that. He would have been accurate. He would have been on it. Uh, a couple of things, though, come out uh, for, or stand out to me from the talk that I had with Yarmo and and you, they may have jumped out at you as well. Again, Yurichik, his name came up with Sfozo, with Matejchuk. And and Sfozo is turning pro now too, right? So he'll be in Cleveland. You don't have to rush them. You don't have to push them. I think all of us just assumed with the great season David Yurichik had in the American Hockey League last year, he was a lock to be here this year. And maybe he is. But he's going to have to earn that through training camp. Because if you looked at last year's defense, oh, he's a lock. Who's going to do better than him? Well, now there's different answers to that, right? And and I love what he said about the confidence of a young defenseman. This is what all of us forget about. I, I know I forget about it. And I, I don't know if you have even thought about it. But you get into a situation, you think you're pretty good. Let's just use your check as an example, okay? Has a great year in the American Hockey League. He's coming over from Europe. He was great in Europe. Okay. Gets to the American Hockey League, gets adjusted to the league, has a great year in the American Hockey League. But when you're making that step to the NHL, it is different. And I know he played a couple of games, but it's literally a couple of games here. Once you start talking night after night, the travel, the competition, the um, you know, the guys you're going to get matched up against every night or how other coaches, when you're on the road, are going to try to put their best players out against you as a rookie every single time and they're going to be successful at it, it can get very hard very fast. And if you lose any sense of confidence, if you start to question your own abilities, which can happen easily, that's just a part of life, then you can get in a bad spot. But if you are leaving the American Hockey League without a doubt, without a single doubt, and then coming to the National Hockey League, it's it's a much easier transition to make. And again, he may already be in that mindset during training camp. That could very well happen. If he is part of the top four on this team, I think it's great. But he doesn't have to be now. He did have to be two weeks ago. He doesn't have to be now. The other thing that stood out to me is when I asked Yarmo about being done and he mentioned the center position. You can't trade for him. They don't get to the unrestricted free agent market. Yeah, but you can trade for them sometimes. Not Maybe not the upper echelon ones, but you can, you can find some. You, you can, I think you can certainly find some that will make your team better, this team better right now. And that is no offense to the guys that he mentioned. And you heard what he said. Kent Johnson still has the potential. Now, the key word in that sentence is potential. He mentioned um, Cole Sillinger, that he's going to be good. I think he is going to be good. He needs to bounce back from last year. And really, that experience at Cleveland at the end of the year, he needs to carry that into training camp, get back to the guy he was two years ago. 
He mentioned Boone Jenner, obviously. Sean Corrali, more obviously. And he mentioned Jack Roslevic. And then he went on to say about Roslevic needing to be more consistent. So that's five guys that he mentioned, four positions. Now, I would assume that Kent Johnson is, we're going to count him as more of a winger. So that's four guys, four positions. But he still forgot a guy. And I talked to him about this later in that interview. Dmitry Voronkov. How's he going to fit in? Is he going to fit in right out of camp? Will he have to go to the American Hockey League like Kirill Marchenko did? But he's excited about Voronkov being here. I think we're all excited about him being here. I told you I wouldn't talk about the guy until he was here. Now he's here, so I'm excited about him being here. So that's where all that is. So I wanted to get that all out in the open for you and give you some, you know, because a lot of questions are going to be about these players and you know, the mindset and the thought process and how they got it done and what they gave up to get it done and all of that. So you've heard from Damon Severson. You've heard from Yarmo Kekalainen. And, and now I would be more than happy to hear from you. So if you're with me live on Twitter Spaces, you can request to be a speaker. I can bring you up and we can chat. Uh, I already have some tweets of questions that were sent to me earlier today. I can go through that and... Uh, Answer those questions. If you want to just send me a tweet, if you don't want to be on and talk live, you can just uh, send me a tweet at Bobby Mac Sports, and uh, we will get to all of it. And let's start with Paul, who has been patiently waiting this entire time uh, to be a speaker. And Paul just unmuted. I was giving him the time. Very good, Paul. Wait to be there when I need you there. How are you? It's been a while for both of us. (laughs) Yes, it has. Don't know what to tell. No, but um, yeah, no, pretty positive week for the Jackets last week. They've, you know, Yarmo being aggressive and just eliminating, I guess, question marks. He's eliminating question marks and, you know, with improving the defense and I guess improving coaching, you know, it, it depends on how you look at it. But the guys, that Babcock guys, I don't know much about him, but, you know, seems like one of the winningest coaches ever uh, um, in history. So, that's all good and well and good. And I'm question. One of the question marks that kind of remains is the goaltender. And I see they're they're going to get a new goaltending coach likely this week. And that Nicholas Backstrom name keeps floating around from the reports I see. So one of the questions that I have is, yeah, is the hires of the new coach Babcock, the improved defense, and the goalie coach. Is this going to be enough to elevate Elvis to the point where the Jackets need him to be competitive? Or do they need to address the goalie position? Because there's a lot of quality goalies kind of floating out there. There's, you know, Connor Hellebuck I saw. His, he's available um, if you want to pay the price. Carter, Carter Hart's available if you want to pay the price. And the Kings aren't going to re-sign Jonas Corpus Allo, so, you know, hey, come on home, buddy. Let's go. What do you think? <laughs> well, you're right. There are a lot of goalies out there. Um, well, okay, let's just uh, start with uh, your question. If Nicholas Backstrom is indeed named the goaltending coaches as being speculated, it won't surprise me because Nick has been in this organization for the past couple of years. He's primarily been overseeing the prospects in Europe. But he does come in and has spent time during the last couple of regular seasons here with the Blue Jackets, you know, taking a trip or two and and being around. He's been at training camp. Uh, I'm sure that he has a relationship with Elvis Merzlikens. So this is, um, uh, to me, it's a good thing. I I mean, again, I I haven't had a lot of interaction with Nicholas Backstrom, but uh, he played in the league. He had success in the league. Uh, he's, he, he seems to be a very knowledgeable guy. He's a good guy. I mean, he's, he's a guy that, you know, I like him, but I'm, I'm not a goalie who he's coaching, but I think, I think he fits in very well is my whole point. So if it's him, there's a familiarity, uh, you know, we can talk about, go, go get this guy, go get that guy. Nicholas Backstrom will know Elvis and, and know, you know, the goods and the bads, and he's going to know what has to be done there. So I have no problem, uh, if he winds up being the goaltending coach. The defense is absolutely going to help him because last year, look, there were plenty of goals that he gave up specifically, and and all of the goalies have played here, but him specifically we're talking about. There were plenty of goals that he gave up that he should have stopped, and he didn't. But there were a ton of goals that were 
just the they were the result of bad defensive play overall. Okay? And and again, and I'm speaking about this or I'm speaking from this standpoint because as we talk right now, there's nothing done. There's not a goalie coach signed, there's not a head coach signed, okay? But let's just go within the uh what has been projected. The system is going to be much better. With the additions of Provorov and Severson, the personnel is going to be much better, and that should help. But at the end of the day, that only helps so much. The man is going to have to help himself as well. That Where that goes, I have no idea. But again, you could look at all the goalies that are out there, and you could say, hey, there's this guy, there's that guy. This guy's had success. What about this guy over here? But you have a goalie that is still under contract for over $5 million a year. So, and you've got Daniil Tarasov, and I know he's been hurt a lot, and that's what the knock on him with people is. I get it. He's making far less, but he now would have to go through waivers if you wanted to send him to the American Hockey League. And I will tell you this, somebody will take him. I There are a lot of players that that have been held on to throughout the years here, and I would be like, why is that guy still here? Like again, I'll give you an example, and this is a guy that I like a lot. Scott Harrington was here forever. They would keep him here, and he wouldn't play for months. And I'd be like, why don't they send it back? Well, they're afraid somebody's going to take him on waivers. Why would somebody take him on waivers? There's like fifty of those guys. And uh, <laughs> but with this, with a goalie like Daniil Tarasov, somebody will take him because of his size and his athleticism, and, oh, yeah, he gets hurt. So all he's got to do is stay healthy, right? I'll take a chance on that. So they're not going to be able to send him back. So you've already got those two guys locked in. You can't go out and get a third guy because it just it doesn't work. So are you going to find – you're either going to keep Elvis and Tarasov or you've got to find a way to move Elvis's contract. Now, the Los Angeles Kings found a way to move Cal Peterson's $5 million dollars by getting in that three-way deal with the Flyers and the Blue Jackets, they sent him to Philadelphia. They were able to get him off the books. So if the Blue Jackets could get into a situation like that, if they can find somebody to take that contract this summer, I think they might do that. I think they would seriously look at that, quite honestly. But if they can't move him, the structure is going to be better. The personnel in front of him is going to be better but it's still going to be up to him at the end of the day. He still is the last line of defense. He still has to be better personally. Where that goes, we won't know until the season actually starts, quite frankly. So your question is, is all of that enough? It's only enough if he has made the personal adjustments that he has to make within himself to be a better goaltender. So there you go. Does that answer it, Paul? Absolutely does. I appreciate it. All right, Paul, thanks. Good to talk to you. Well, it's good to talk hockey again, isn't it? I mean, the Stanley Cup final is almost over. Is it going to be over in one more game? I think it could be. I think it could be. Vegas is going back home, and they've got the the best home record in the playoffs. What about James? James, you're up next on the show. How are you? Hey, Bob, how are you? Thanks for doing this. Sure. Um, I guess, so I'm, I'm curious to know, uh, what your perspective on Ivan Provorov is and if he's a guy Columbus fans should look forward to watching. Uh, and I'd also like to know your thoughts on what Columbus gave up for him in uh, those first and second round picks. Well, all right, James, thank you very much. Um, look, I think this guy's going to be a good player. I do. I mean, he was, as Jarmo talked about, he and Zach Wierenski were taken in the same draft. He was taken ahead of Zach Wierenski in that draft. He's a guy that... Uh, He's been solid. I think his time in Philadelphia just ran out. Just, you know, it it just came to a head. They are rebuilding. He's got two years left on a deal. It it was at a point where they could move him out and they can start to look toward the future. I think that's good for them. I think it's good for him. I think it's great for the Blue Jackets. I really do. I think this guy's going to be solid on the left side. I think he's uh, I think he's going to help. I think he's going to help tremendously. As a matter of fact, and giving up that uh, what was twenty second overall pick is not a big deal. They were all I think they were always going to give that up. They just need to find the right guy. They tried to give it up for Jacob Chikrin before Arizona sent him to Ottawa. They would have given it up within days if they could have gotten Chikrin. So they were always giving it up. 
So it they just needed to give it up to get better on the blue line. And that's what they've now done. So I, I think they, I don't think they really gave up much for him. And I think they get a good player, a very good experienced player, another player that has been within the Metropolitan Division, understands what's going on against all of these teams they're going to play against all year. Maybe that's not such a big thing, but it is. You know, if you're going to play against Crosby four times a year, do you want to know how to play against Crosby four times a year? You want to have that experience of doing it, or you want to come from the West and figure it out on the fly, right? I'm good with these guys coming from within the division. They know what it's all about. They know the guys they're going to face four times a year instead of two times a year. They know how important it is to get those points against those kind of players to have a chance to get into the playoffs. I'm cool with it. So I think he is going to be a great addition to what the Blue Jackets are trying to do. And if he wasn't going to be a great addition, if they didn't think he was going to be a great addition, he wouldn't be here. Simple as that. Jordan, you are next up on the Monday Mailbag. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. It's uh, it's good to be here on this uh, Monday afternoon edition. You know, how did you see about Vegas uh, playing so well in game three compared to what game four was last uh, last night? What about them? Like how the performance was. I mean, they were the refs were just taking so many penalties on both teams. It just wasn't even like worth watching. I thought, I, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm literally. I mean, literally, Florida was close to winning or trying to tie the game, and they just could not get past Aiden Hill. No. So I want to hear what your thoughts were about uh, Brandon Montour and, of course, the uh, rest of the squad for the Panthers. I think the Panthers' biggest mistake in this Stanley Cup final has been they're trying to be too aggressive. I, I, I think they've used that aggressiveness very well to get through the Eastern Conference final, and I think they went in against a big team like the Vegas Golden Knights, and, and they, I, I think they've tried to be – I think they were too rough too early. I think they should have let the, the series settle in a little bit. And, um, you know, the officiating is, is – we could talk about that all day long, and that's that's during the regular season, that's during the playoffs. But um, I, I haven't watched every minute of every game. I'm not going to lie to you. I've watched a lot of it. Um, but I haven't watched every minute of it. And the other night I didn't watch any of it at all. So, so I can't, you know, I'm, I, I can't really get into the specifics of that game, but I, I can tell you, I think that the Panthers, that, that rough stuff and uh, the Kachuk in your face stuff worked great throughout the Eastern Conference, but then the Vegas Golden Knights are just a different beast. I mean, they're big and they're strong and they're tough, and, and uh, they are a great example, by the way. We were just talking about goaltending uh, a few minutes ago here with Paul in Again, I, I think what the Vegas Golden Knights are showing is really what is true in the National Hockey League. Here's Aiden Hill, a journeyman guy. He's playing very well, but he's playing within a good system. And they're having success. But they're big and strong on the blue line. They make you work to get to the net. And I think that's what the Blue Jackets want to become, uh, a team that you have to work hard to get to the net. They used to be like that when they had Seth Jones. They had David Savard and you know a couple of... Big, tra- big tall trees back there that you had to get through to get to the net. And uh, and, and that changed when those guys left. I think they're trying to get back to that. But, um, you know, it's uh, you can win in this league with a, I don't want to say mediocre goalie. That's not fair to Aiden Hill. But you don't need, and this is no offense to Sergei Bobrovsky, he just happens to hit this number so it's easy. You don't need a $10 million a year goalie. You can do it with a 4 to $6 million a year goalie as long as they're just solid, they make the stops that they have to make. And occasionally, they make a fantastic one or two along the way. But I think I think Florida's, I thought they were over-aggressive early, and I think they paid the price for that. Because even with the officiating, they, they were so, they, they so much knew how aggressive that they were. I think they came into that series already marked, and the officials were just looking for reasons to kind of, tamp that down very early in the series. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, and it does. You know, even the rumors of Dimitri Orlov, I want to hear, like, what are your thoughts, like, when you hear about the rumor that Orlov might be coming to Columbus, what what made you ever think about him maybe as a Blue Jackets player? Well, I like him as a player. I liked him when he was in Washington. I didn't like him when he was in Washington because he had good success against the Blue Jackets, and thank you, Jordan. 
very much. But I like them in Washington. He did a great job in Boston. I just don't see, like, I know there's been a lot of Colton Perrieko stuff out there and Dmitry Orlov. I don't know if that's still in the mix now that they've gotten Provorov and Severson. I, I'm just wondering if, uh, though, if there was a, a pool of names that they were going to try to draw from and let's get a couple of them. And and they did get a couple of them. So I, I don't know. When I asked Yarmo if he was done, he didn't say anything about another defenseman. He talked about a centerman, right? So that leads me to believe that, uh, you know, because Orlov's going to get a lot of money. And eventually there's only so much money you could put out there. You're going to run out of money. And I know the cap's going to go up in the next couple of years and all that stuff, but it's you, you have X amount of dollars that you can use, that you're allowed to use, and then you're going to run out. And Orlov's going to get a lot of money. What do I think of him as a player? I love him as a player. He's aggressive. He's offensive-minded. And, again, when he was in Washington, remember he and Bob were from the same hometown, and it was like a personal battle between those guys. You know, could Orlov score against him? And he did quite uh, – I, I shouldn't say quite a bit. I just remember sometimes he did. That it was like, doggone, that guy again. So – um yeah, I like him as a player. If you could fit him in under the cap, I'd take him in a heartbeat. I, I just don't know at what point you you start to get too many big contracts. That's all. Jeff, you are next up on this uh, Monday Mailbag. How are you, Jeff? Doing well, Bob. Thanks for having me. Um, so my question centers more around the coaching. Uh, with Mike Babcock coming in, uh, Have who are the Jackets targeting as an associate or assistant coach and kind of along with that have you heard of what it's like to coach with Babcock I know we've heard a lot about what it's like playing for him but kind of what would that process be for picking those coaches to uh, be alongside him this season well I I don't know because I don't know what kind of situation this is Um, there are many times a guy of this caliber usually gets to pick his assistants but not always it's you know it's I don't know what's going to work out here. I, I really don't. Um, you know, Pascal Vincent is still under contract. He's still very highly thought of. Uh, you know, some people say, well, you know, he, he didn't get the job, and why would he want to stay? Well, because he still would have a job, and if you want to be a head coach in the league, it, it's better to operate from the situation of being an assistant or an associate coach on one team to, you know, you still want to be in it. You don't want to be on the outside looking in. Um, but, but I don't know. I don't know, you know, nothing is for sure until his contract with Toronto is over and, and until there's an official announcement. So I, I, I can't answer that question for you as far as who's, you know, is he going to keep guys that were here? Is he going to go out and, and bring in guys that he's know he knows guys he's worked with before or whatever the case may be. Um, and as far as for coaching with him, I've the only guy I've really ever talked to that has coached with him has been Jeff Blaschel, who eventually took over for him in uh, in Detroit when Babcock left and he went to Toronto. And it, it just seemed to me that you learn a lot. You know, you, you learn a lot. He's, he's a very good tactician of the game. You say what you want. I know a lot of people say a lot of things, but... He's had success. He's been in the Stanley Cup final, what, three times. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's He's got gold medal wins. He's got, you know, world championship wins. Um, you know, he's he's a smart coach. He, he, he's a smart coach that I guess is fair to say uh, has done some dumb things over his career. But, again, um, I don't know what's going to happen here until he – it's not official. I mean, we could sit here and – you can say, well, this guy says he's going to be, and this guy says, and this guy says, and this gal says, and this, but, but nothing's official, so I don't know. But I'm just telling you that uh, sometimes coaches of that caliber get to pick their own assistants. Sometimes uh, the organization has guys under contract, and they want to keep those guys under contract. So, Jeff, I'm sorry. I don't know which uh, direction. If he winds up being the guy, I don't know which direction that's going to go. No, completely understand it. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thanks for being on today on this uh, Monday mailbag as we talk about the Blue Jackets bolstering their blue line last week with a a couple of trades, getting Ivan Provorov from the Philadelphia Flyers and uh, picking up Damon Severson from the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Rinketic is next up on today's show. How are you? Hello, Bob. 
thanks for inviting me. I was thinking, like, would it be a good thing to, let's say, move Jack Roslovic and then get try to get, like, Ivan Barbashev during the offseason? I think uh, if you're going to move Jack, I just wonder if they want to get another centerman for Jack Roslovic. Right? Because Yeah, because honestly, like, we... We even tried to play like line as a C while Jack has been like struggling like all kinds of positions this year. Yeah, I think, uh, to be honest with you, I, as I look at the lineup, if there's one guy, and I know his name's been out there before, but it, if there's one forward that I think that they would like to move and they feel like they can get some value for him, it is Jack Roslovic. But the, the thing is, you know, it's always the doggone thing is so frustrating about Jack is even when you're it, when you're talking about trading him, if you're going to trade him, it's all about his potential, which we have seen little pieces of throughout the course of the year, uh, the two years. But as Jarmo said, and again, it was very blatant the way he answered the question uh, when I was talking about the when he was talking about the centerman and when he brought up Jack Roslovic. The consistency. I'll be honest with you. If Jack Roslovic was consistent, we would never be talking about trading him for Ivan Barbashev or anybody because he would be a really good, he'd probably be like a, a Matt Barzell kind of a player. And you'd be like, well, I'm, you'd be stupid if you want to get rid of that guy. But he just gets it, he gets it put together to a point and then it falls away. And then he builds it back to a point and then it falls away. So, I do think I don't know who they might uh, target as far as using Jack for a trade ship, uh, trade chip. But I will say that I, I think if um, I think if there's a guy that has played the center position that they would look to move to improve at the center position, it would be Jack Roslovic. No, no, I actually agree because, like, uh, let's take Toronto for example. People, g- g- uh, sorry, people give like Alex Kerfoot a lot of like garbage and i think jack, like jack is like our version of him <laughs> well yeah yeah that's fair hey where are you uh where are you checking in from today by the way uh latvia latvia yep how are things in latvia today uh it's great actually still partying after the world championships or no uh, no, but uh, that that week was mental. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it was fantastic. It was just all the all the video and the pictures and the, everything that uh, that I saw across social media looked like it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was bonkers. <laughs> well, thank you for checking in. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being part of the show today. Thank you. All right. Oh, where are we going next here on this Monday mailbag? See, we're going all over the world, man. All over the world. There was a time when I would do a show, a quote-unquote talk show, if you will. There was a time where I'd be happy if I could get a call from 10 minutes away. Now I can get something from Latvia. You see how quickly the world has changed. How quickly it has changed. Some ways positive, some ways negative. But it is... uh, it has changed nonetheless. Let's bring in Lester, who has to be on top of the world because I don't know how many different times I've heard from him, Ivan Provorov, Ivan Provorov, Ivan Provorov, Ivan Provorov could and should be a member of the Blue Jackets, and now he is. How happy are you? Uh, I, I'm very pleased. You know, it's kind of funny. You brought up Shekran. And Chikrin is a guy that's always hurt. In fact, as soon as Ottawa got him, he got hurt again. And in Provorov, you're talking about a guy that's missed three games in his career. In Severson, you're talking about a guy that's missed three games in five years. Do you think that factored in on these deals by any chance when you're coming off a year where you lost uh, Zach Wierenski and Jake Bean for the entire season and Adam Boquist is another guy that can't seem to stay healthy? Yeah. Um, if, If these guys get hurt, uh, if they wind up getting hurt, I'm going to go out and hire an exorcist and make sure that Nationwide Arena was not built on an ancient Indian burial ground or something because there's just no way, man. I mean, but I'm just thrilled with the trades. And, you know, look at how many block shots they had last year. 
Severson had 115, which is how many Gavrikov had. Provorov had 162. You combine those with what Peak did and with what Good Branson did. Now that's 611 blocks. So our goalie is going to be well insulated. So you're right. This is on Elvis. This is absolutely on Elvis. Yeah, I I I think it is. Like I said earlier, you know, it, it's the structure is going to be better. The defense is going to be better. The, the personnel is going to be better. But there's still what's between his ears has to be better. Yeah. A um, couple of questions I kind of wanted to throw at you. You were talking about Ross Levesque. I thought his second halves the last two years were nice. The problem was the first halves. And, and last year, he made a lot of bad decisions with the puck on the end of his stick, probably before Christmas. He got better as the year went on, especially after he got benched. But uh, you're right. I mean, there, there, there's got to be more to come from him. I don't know what he would bring in trade value if they moved him, but we got a lot of guys like we have a situation there with Robinson and Danforth and uh, Foodie, you know, and Olivier. Yeah. They're all kind of the same guy. You got to figure out who, who stays and who goes or who just becomes depth. It's going to be kind of interesting. I, I'm not sure what I think of Foodie still after he kind of finished strong. He had like 11 points in his last 26 games. But I, I'm still not sure if, if that's enough to sell me on him. Well, how about this? He's still young, he's cheap, and he's a former first-round pick. I think those are all three things that factor in his favor. Yeah. Now, um, I don't think they're going to move that three overall pick. I've heard people talk about it. I You just can't – you get a great player and you get him on an entry-level contract. I don't think you trade that pick. I'm the kind of guy I think big – I wonder if we have the pieces there to make a trade with San Jose to get the number four pick too, so we can get Will Smith and whoever uh, Anaheim doesn't want. I mean, that, that's the way I think about things. But, well, uh, well, I'll tell. You, I will tell you this. Um, I know there's been a lot of stuff online about that, but the interview that I did with Yarmo, one of the the parts that I I didn't air is he he does say in there about that number three overall pick. He said if you look at all of the teams that uh, have won recently in this league. At some point, they had to get a, a pick like this. They had to get into the the top one, two, or three so that they could come out of it with that. So I don't think that's something that you say and then you turn around a week later or two weeks later and you trade that pick. You know what I mean? Right. But what I'm saying is, is not to trade the third pick. Keep it, obviously. No, I know. I Yeah, you're saying to find a way to get the fourth. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd love to go do that. Last thing I'm kind of wondering about, I really loved Gus Nyquist. He's good veteran leadership. If they make some trades and they free up some space, do you think there's any way they would bring him back, or do you think the Gus Nyquist story is over? When he left, I thought that he would come back. Now, as I look at what's going on here, I'm not as sure, although, although, and I'm thinking about this as I'm answering your question, he did play in Detroit. He did play under a guy that may be the coach here. So maybe. Four years. Yeah, maybe. But I. But they've got to move some guys out, right? I mean, now with yeah. with Texier coming back and, um, you know, what are you going to do with, you know, Chinikov is, is – where is Chinikov in the lineup? That's – I'd like to know that. Um, yeah. You know, Marchenko solidified a spot, I would think. Uh, again, though, with a new coach, everything is different, right? Uh, Justin Danforth, this is a guy that I've had some conversations with some people, you know, just like throwing it around. Where's Justin Danforth now? Because Brad Larson loved him. I mean, that, that, that coach was going to play that guy when he was healthy. He was going to get in there because of what he did. And now you've got to sell that to another coach, right? It, it changed. I'm not, he's the same player and, and I like the game that he plays, but now, you, if you've got a different system and different structure and, and you have to impress a new guy, so where is that going to fall? Matthew Olivier, yeah, he did some great things last year. But now if you're talking about playing a, a, a possession-style system, and, and he did hold on to the puck. That's one thing that they did say a lot about him last year. He's doing a better job of holding on to the puck. Okay, well, that's great. But is he going to do a good enough job of that for whatever is expected in the system that they're going to play this year. There's a lot of questions with some of those guys now. And to your point, a guy like Gus Nyquist, there would be less questions with. But I just don't know. I don't know if they're going to be. It's a, it's a feel-good story to say about him coming back. He loves it here and blah, 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 blah. We all know this. But 
are they going to be able to move the personnel to be able to do that? And that I don't know the answer to. Yeah. Final thought, and I'm going to move on. Uh, two years ago, they shocked us when they traded Atkinson. Last year, they surprised us when they traded Bjorkstrand. I'm still waiting to see if maybe something like that goes down this year. If they move a player, we didn't think they'd move. It wouldn't surprise me, just because I, I think with the things that they're that they're trying to do, obviously they're they're putting the jumper cables on this thing. They're trying to jumpstart it, right? And <laughs> and looking at, I shouldn't even bring this up, but I don't I don't even know why I look at social media anymore because it, it drives me crazy about people talking about trying to speed up the the rebuild and you're going to screw it up and this and that. But I mean, for goodness sakes, what you, you just sit and collect draft picks for five years. I mean, let's go. You, you got Johnny Gaudreau. He's now going into the second year of a seven year contract. Let's go. You got Patrick line going into the second year before your contract. Let's go, you know, and it's, it's, it, it is time to start moving ahead with this. So um, with that all being said, Yarmo's good about that. Yarmo's good about pulling shockers. So, it wouldn't surprise me if it happens. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't happen either this year because I think he's got a better idea of what he has. But if there's something he's looking to get, and, and if he's looking to improve at center, uh, it would not shock me to to see him give up somebody that we may not think that he would give up if he thinks it's if he thinks it's going to make it uh, better in the long run. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind signing Ryan O'Reilly either. But I'll tell you on what you said. If it weren't for you and Jeff Swoboda, I wouldn't be on Twitter at all. <laughs> it is, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And like I, I said to my wife at one point, I said, uh, let me ask you a question. I said, how much different was social media eight years ago when John Tortorella came here? Because, you know, there were a lot of people that had concerns and there were people that uh, had not so great opinions about John Tortorella coming here to coach. I said, but there's no way that it was this mean. I do not recall things being this just honest to goodness, sickeningly mean things that are being said about people. It is it's it really made me turn it off. Yeah. Well, that's because you're you're not facing the person, you're using a pseudonym, you feel like you can say whatever you want to say. Well, yeah, it's and you're right, it's mean. It's easy to be ten foot tall and bulletproof, right? Absolutely. Hey, thanks for your time. It's always great to talk to you. I look forward to talking to you again soon. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad Proveroth finally got here for you. Uh, yeah, I'm over the moon. I'm getting that jersey as soon as they give him the numbers. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Thanks for uh, being on the show today. If you want to get on the show, all you have to do, uh, if you're with me live on Twitter Spaces, is request to be a speaker, and uh, and you can get on the show just very, very easily. Let's see. uh Let's see what else I got here, because I know I have some uh, tweets that were sent to me earlier today. And some of this stuff we may have answered, and some of this stuff we may not have answered. So let me go through it. Here's uh, the first one from uh, Tessaman Tiki. Oh, that's cool. It says, who are we drafting, and why is it Leo Carlson? Well, is it Leo Carlson? I don't know. Uh, Who are they drafting? I think a lot's going to depend on that. Who's Anaheim drafting? What if Anaheim drafts Leo Carlson? Then we're not going to draft Leo Carlson. Then we either draft Adam Fantilli or Will Smith. And by the way, I I don't, everybody, or not everybody, a lot of people think this Carlson thing is a, is a slam dunk. And I think Will Smith is still a wild card out there. I really do. I, I, I think they like him. I don't know how much they like him. I'll be able to tell you on draft night. But I think they really like that kid. Mark Carell II says, let's say Anaheim follows Craig Button's advice and drafts uh, Michkov. Do the Blue Jackets take Carlson or Fantilli? Everything I'm reading have them neck and neck after the World Championships. And also, these Calgary-Vancouver fans are insane with their ideas of getting the number three overall from the Blue Jackets. I agree with that. Like, Elias Lindholm for the number three? Nope. No thank you. No offense, but no thank you. JT Miller and the number 11 from Vancouver for the number three? Nope. No, thank you. I mean, JT Miller has a potential albatross contract. And look, do I like the player? Absolutely. Would I take in the player, you know, last summer or before he signed that contract? Absolutely. 100%. Now? No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, 
but anyway, again, e- even with Carlson and Fantilli there, don't leave Smith out of the conversation. Even with both of them there, don't leave him out of the conversation. Next up, let's see. Chris Williams says, with the additions of Provorov and Severson on defense, do you think Yarmo attempts to trade one of Boquist or Peak? Having depth on D is a major strength, but those guys have at least some values as uh, NHL defensemen. With both guys over 150 games played, they could pair with a winger to try to bring a two, uh, number two centerman, potentially. Uh, maybe, potentially. But anyway, uh, we'll see there. Sorry, I'm losing my... Lost my place there for just a second. But anyway, um, again, I Boquist, oh, man, he's still young. I know he gets hurt a lot, but when he is healthy, look out. Look out when he's healthy. Now, one of the problems potentially is he plays on that right side. Again, if your check's still in Cleveland, Boquist stays here and plays opposite of Provorov, maybe that works, right? Maybe that works. But I he I think he has a lot of upside, and he was still he was an eighth overall pick. I don't know you give up on that so quickly. Andrew Peak, I would hate to see them give up on him. Uh, Boquist is going to hold more value potentially, except for the injury thing. But uh, I hate to see them give up on Andrew Peak. I just like him as a, I think he's a solid all around team guy who will do whatever he's got to do to make you better. But if it calls for putting somebody in a package, then. So be it. That person will be in the package, right? Let's see. Tyler Radner. Ratterer. Sorry, Tyler. Says, with all the new additions, it has people talking about making moves to sure up the center position and possibly goaltending. Do you think it makes sense to go after another goalie or a potential number one center right now? Lindholm's name get to- gets tossed around as a possible number one. Again, if you want to get Elias Lindholm, great. Don't get him for the number three overall pick. you got to find another way to get him. Whatever you do. find Find another way. If you can get him through that, great. Are you going to get him on a signing trade? Because you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to pay him. His contract's coming to an end here soon. Can you do another signing trade? Okay, but you're not doing it for the number three overall. You're just not. Um, Going after another goalie, I addressed this earlier in the show. If you missed it, you've got Elvis making over five. You've got uh, Tarasov going through waivers. That's not going to happen. He'll get plucked. So to get another goalie, you've got to move somebody out. That somebody, I would guess, would be Elvis and the high number contract that he has. If you could move that out, then you can go get another middle-of-the-road goalie, quite frankly. With this defense, and, and somebody said earlier, Jonas Corposalo's out there. I don't know if he would come back. If I was him, I probably wouldn't, to be honest. If I was him, I'd had hard, I would have hard feelings about the way I was treated while I was here. And I wouldn't come back, but, but he might. He's a really nice guy. He knows everything here so well. And he would be a great mentor to Daniil Tarasov, I believe. So I, I would ask him. If I, if, I was, if I was in charge and I didn't have the big contract goalie there, I would ask him. Because I know what he is, too. But there are other guys out there. You know, there are always other guys out there. At that position. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see what else I have here on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports. Um, Josh says, with all the additions on defense, do you think Blankenberg could slide into a forward spot? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to burst your bubble, some of you. Not trying to be mean, but I'm going to burst your bubble. He... Uh, I think he's going to play some games in Cleveland. And I love Nick Blankenberg. I love his heart. He, he's he got to stay healthy. He and Boquist suffer from the same ailment. They just can't stay healthy. Uh, he's a smaller guy that works toward that problem that he has. He plays with reckless abandon. We love him for that, but it also works toward that problem. And um, he is... You know, I, I think he's going to be, to me, like nobody's even talked about him until now. But to me, I think that he's the guy that is going to struggle the most to find a spot on this defense, quite honestly. 
because you've got Wierenski. Let's just say you got Wierenski and Severson. Then you got Provorov and, and and again, I think Boquist gets that opportunity because he prevents or because he provides that offensive upside. Now Nick could go back on the left side and play with Goodbranson, which he did plenty last year. Okay, but you still have Peak. You still have Bean, as we talk right now. One of those guys may get the opportunity to make that transition. They again, Andrew Peak struggled with that last year, but it's funny how many things you can find that you can do once you uh, once you um, have no other choice, right? It's funny how that works. Well, I I could have you do this, or you, or you you could do nothing. Oh, I'll do that. I can do it. So anyway, um, it goes from there. It goes from there. So that's uh, I think that's pretty much covered everything, as far as I can tell. It's covered everything. It's been great to get back and have a good old fashioned hockey talk with you once again. We're going to do this uh, a lot here. In the upcoming weeks, obviously, because we are very close to the NHL draft. It is coming up, and that is going to be in Nashville. And it's going to be on June the 28th, so that is only 16 days from today. There are plenty of other things that uh, could go on between now and then. I'll let you know the next time that I'm all set and ready to sit down and talk with you on a Monday mailbag. Maybe we'll do it next week. Maybe we'll do it uh, uh, the week after that. Who knows? But anyway, it's good to have things to talk about, isn't it? Absolutely is. Don't forget to keep checking BlueJackets.com and Blue Jackets on Twitter and get the latest news and what's going on. Jeff Sabota, Dylan Tire just came back from the Combine. They've got a lot of great stuff posted For you to catch up on and learn about the prospects the Blue Jackets are looking to draft. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.